Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Don't be afraid of new markets. Don't be afraid to get on a plane or new types of real estate. If there's a lot of fishermen in one part of the lake, you should probably go to the other side of the lake. As a loyal Best Ever listener, you know that it's important that we as entrepreneurs focus on managing our time effectively, which is why we're always looking for ways to automate the basic duties of our business so that we can focus more time on our money-making activities. That's why I want to introduce you to Rentler.com. At Rentler, landlords and property managers can perform all their duties in one place. Rentler offers tools that allow you to automate tasks like listing a unit for rent, finding and screening tenants, collecting rent, and managing the maintenance requests. And even better, these tools are offered at zero cost to you. Go to tryrentler.com forward slash best ever. That's T-R-Y-R-E-N-T-L-E-R.com forward slash best ever to get started today. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today. Kenny Wolf. How you doing, Kenny? Hey, Joe. How are you today? I am doing well and nice to have you on the show. A little bit about Kenny. He is the owner of Wolf Investments, a private equity real estate firm in multifamily, commercial, hard money loans, and property development. He's been involved in almost $100 million worth of transactions, which includes 2,374 multifamily units and multiple commercial acquisitions. And he's working on his first development property now. We're going to talk all about that based in Plano, Texas. With that being said, Kenny, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Sure. Thanks, Joe. And thanks for having me. Yeah, just a quick background on me. I started in real estate about seven years ago. We began by investing passively twice in multifamily properties here in Dallas-Fort Worth. One was a yield play, one was a value play. So we were looking there to learn and see what business model we like and, and didn't like for multifamily investing. And then about 2012, we syndicated our first multifamily property and it was 76 units there in Wiley, Texas. We still own it, so it's a good little property for us. And then we continued to buy more properties here in DFW. So we started buying more here and then prices got to get a little out of hand from what I saw. So that started thinking outside the box and looking at other markets such as Oklahoma, Colorado, Ohio, and just kind of opening it up. So we eventually got into Colorado Springs, Oklahoma City, multifamily, and then we added Columbus, Ohio just a few years ago as well. And then we also branched out into other markets in Texas, such as Waco, Amarillo, those markets as well. So that's kind of how we got started in multifamily. And then from there, our investors kept asking, when's the next multifamily deal? And it's been 
harder and harder to find a true good deal these days. So we branched out to hard money lending about 18 months ago and have done multiple single family and, and small multifamily loans on that. And then about a year ago, we branched out and started buying commercial properties, triple net leases, double net leases, properties here in Texas and Oklahoma. And then, yeah, you're right. We're about to break ground on our first development project here in Dallas, Fort Worth. It's small, but it gets us into the game. And we're, I've learned a lot and we haven't even broken ground yet. So we could talk about a whole lot of stuff based on that timeline and the different things that you've been doing. Let's start with where you're at now. And then if the other things become relevant, then we'll talk about some other things. First development project, you're about to break ground. You've already learned some stuff. What are you developing and what have you learned? Well, there were some townhome lots across the street from one of our existing multifamily properties we own. And I tried to get the city to change the zoning to multifamily because owning that property across the street, I know there's a need for it in that submarket of Dallas-Fort Worth and the city wouldn't change their mind. What submarket is it? It's in Wiley, Texas. Okay, in Wiley. Got it. So we're not going to fight City Hall. We're going to do exactly what they want there. So we're going to build some townhomes there. So you're building some townhomes. How long have you been working on the project since you decided that you're going to go with the flow and not try and swim up current? Probably about four months. We went ahead and bought the land and then we talked to the city before we bought the land, but we're trying to feel them out. Bought the land and then had to replat from four townhome lots to six. Okay. And what process did you have to go through time and money did it take to get it from four to six? We had to buy the land. So we've got a great local bank and they gave us an 80% loan on the land. And then they're going to here in about a week or two, we're gonna, we're, we'll get a construction loan where they lend us the full 80% of the cost to build it. So we're out 20% so far on all the land purchase and all the fees and architects and all that kind of stuff. So right now we're probably out about 75 grand right now. And the process for getting it from four to six for someone, well, myself and anyone else who has not done that before, what's the process entail? It's a lot of calls to the city and some meetings up there at their office. And then really it's just making sure that your architect can read all the city requirements of the width of the lots and that, and that they have to be the setbacks and all that kind of thing. So we kind of did a proof and then we sent it over to the city, had them look at it, mark it up. And all they really did is just made a small minor change. And then from there, we had to present that to the planning and zoning committee. And once that passed, we went to the city council and they passed it as well. When you present to the Planning and Zoning Committee, what do you need to have with you and what questions do they ask? It was actually pretty smooth, to be honest with you. If we were trying to rezone it, we'd have to really do a big sales pitch with slideshows and all that kind of stuff. But because we were using what the zoning was already in place zoning, there really wasn't much to present. All they got was the new layout of the lots. Okay. And basically by going from four to six, you're able to build two more than you right, would yeah, have before yeah, able to build two more townhomes on that same price for the land and really strangely cut up townhome lots to begin with they're really big so it makes sense to, to make them smaller okay and same with city council anything stand out there same thing it was pretty easy like i said we weren't going to fight city hall so it went pretty smoothly so what lessons have you learned because you said you're about to break ground and you've learned a lot of lessons my experience has been in buying existing buildings. So I've learned a lot already about, especially here in North Texas, so we don't have the best soil. We have expansive clay. Yeah. Um, so how much that costs to do a proper foundation, the steps involved in getting all the pricing and quotes, working with an architect, 
on not just the layout of the townhome lots, but actually the, what the what the townhome look like on the inside too, the layouts there. So that, that's been a lot of fun. With the foundation being expensive since it's expansive clay, like how much does it cost to lay a foundation for one townhome? Well, I can tell you the dirt work. So the dirt <laughs> work right now, our options were either to do 17-foot piers <laughs> or soak the dirt, pack it in, soak it again, do that multiple times to build up a, a nice solid dirt foundation underneath what we're about to pour. So that's coming in right around 100 grand just there alone, that dirt work. Wow. What are the economics of this deal from a big picture? I think we'll double our money in about 18 months on this deal. And it's because of we're just in a hot market here in DFW. So we're building these for about 100 bucks a foot, maybe 105 bucks a foot. So that means that we're able to sell these for probably 155 a foot. So there's a pretty big delta between what we can build it for and what we can sell them for. As far as the other steps involved with working with an architect, what are some things that on the next development project, should you do one that you would do differently? I would engage them sooner. I probably brought them in maybe a few weeks too late. I would bring them in sooner from the get-go. And it's really just getting used to the architect and sitting down. And I'd probably have more of a meeting as to kind of what we're looking for on the interior layout and the exterior layout. And when you say engage them sooner, what point of the process is that? On the next one, we're going to engage them probably before we buy the land. Wow, really? (laughs) Yeah, I would. I think it would make it so much smoother if we had that plan already in place. Mm-hmm. And what costs are associated to engaging them prior to even buying the land? It depends on the size of the project, really. But they'll start working if you pay them about half. So typically, it's about a dollar a square foot on the building size as to what the architect will charge you. So they receive approximately a dollar a square foot for the building that they're building? Right, yeah. Huh. And how many square feet are the six total townhomes? Well, I guess they're getting a dollar twenty because he. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm doing the quick math because because these are the total. All six are going to be right around ten thousand square feet. Uh huh. Got it. So did I do that math right? One point two million. Yeah, that's when the cost about to build. Really, a little less than that. But the architect, his fee is twelve grand on the deal. Oh right, yeah. I shouldn't have multiplied. Got it. I was like, wait a second. I need an architect podcast and go back to school and be an architect. Okay, yeah. I I, I got calculator happy. So. There are clearly differences in developing something ground up versus buying an apartment building or doing a triple net lease property, and you're in the middle of your first development, but do you anticipate it being worth the time and the money and the higher degree of risk that's involved with development? Yes, I do. Like I said, on this this just a small project, I think we're going to double our money in probably about 18 months. So what I like to do is be the guinea pig for a lot of our new um, investment offerings. So this is really going to launch us into something bigger. We already have offers out on an acre and a half here in DFW and then another 3.7 acres here in DFW as well. What are some lessons that you learned when you went into different markets? You said you went to Colorado Springs, Oklahoma City, Columbus, Waco, and Amarillo after investing in your backyard. Our first property was 76 units, so we weren't there on site. We'd go probably every other month, every maybe three months once it was stabilized. So I realized that I could really do this from anywhere or, and buy anywhere as long as I have the right property management company. And I had a, just a personal rule of, trying to, of being able to get there and back in a day from here in DFW. So those were kind of the, 
things that got me started thinking. If you're only going every other month or so, it's, it's easy to, to kind of spread out to these other markets where there might not be as much competition. Mm-hmm. As far as the other markets where there's not as much competition, specifically I'm thinking of Waco and Amarillo, just because I'm familiar with them pretty well. On the flip side, because when you entered, there wasn't as much competition, when you exit, there's not going to be as many buyers looking to buy that property because of the markets that they're in. So have you sold those properties? And if so, did you experience that or is that not the case? We haven't sold those properties yet. I think Waco is about as hot as it's ever been right now. Uh, mm-hmm. There's so many people that like Waco right now, but we're more of a long-term hold investor. So we like to go in, do our business plan, get a supplemental loan, pull our cash out and, and hold longer term. So yes, we may have fewer sellers, but people are getting more and more pushed out of DFW, at least at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. So we're starting to see more competition in those markets where we didn't see them before. Okay. Definitely makes sense with Waco because it's just in the middle of all the action between the cities. Amarillo, we got some time for, I think. But it's, when you say long-term, what is long-term specifically to you? Um, so for me, it's I always tell our investors for our multifamily deals, prepare for five to seven-year hold. You know, I kind of prepare them to think that way because if we get a sweet offer, sure, we're going to sell. But to me, the better option is these are cash out, refire, supplement alone, hold a long-term cash flow, enjoy the tax yield as we hold it. So yeah, so usually five to seven years. And for someone who might not be familiar with the difference between a supplemental and the refinance, will you explain that? Sure. So a supplemental loan is just a secondary lien. So we go and get a Fannie Mae loan. And we do our business plan. Usually that's to upgrade half the units. And then once we do that, we'll go back to Fannie Mae and say, hey, our value is up here now because our NOI is increased by X amount. So they say, sure. So it gets reappraised. And then you get 70 to 75%, depending on the market and the timing of the supplemental loan, of the new value minus the existing loan. And that's the secondary loan that you get at closing on the proceeds of that. So it's a way to get your money out without having to take a tax hit. And then what if someone says that sounds great, but basically you're just adding more debt to the current property? What's your response? In real estate, debt's your friend. So I'd say to that, it's like having an insurance company and getting float. We're getting money out of the property where we create a value, but our residents are paying that loan down for us. So we get this money out in a tax shielded format so we can reinvest it. And it's a way to really snowball your returns. You started with multifamily, and that was a major focus of yours. And then you said you branched out to hard money lending. What did you have to do from a process or team standpoint to transition the focus? What we did is we teamed up with a guy here in DFW. He had been doing maybe four or five hard money loans a year. And so it was a way for us to learn from him and get the process down and make sure we were you know, doing everything correctly. We had our lawyer look over it, obviously, things like that. And we're pretty cautious on how we structure our loans as well. By teamed up with a guy in DFW, does that mean that you paid him as a consultant or what was the arrangement? He and I created a new LLC, so we run our hard money loans through, through that LLC. Got it. And then the benefit that you brought to him was more deal flow, more loans, or was there some other benefit? It was really the investors. He was doing this out of his own pocket. And I said, hey, I bet our investors will like them and we'll fund them so we can do a lot more deals. So that's what I brought to the table. And now that you've got the apartment communities, and how many do you have currently in the portfolio that you're 
overseeing? Um, currently, we've got about 14. <laughs> 14. Got it. So 14 apartment communities. And you've got the lending business, some double and triple net lease properties, and now a development project. Which of those areas makes you the most money? Today, it's, it's probably going to be our commercial properties right now. And that'll change. And, and really, the, a big reason to branching out was also, too, I, I like having four different levers to pull. When it's hard to find a multifamily deal, we can focus on these other three. And when that changes, because it will, and then we can be able to focus more on acquiring more multifamily. So it's a way to kind of branch out like that. What uh, are the right now commercial? What are the commercial properties? So far, we've bought three family dollars. We got a fourth one under contract now. And the reason why I say that they make us the most money, because right now they've got the biggest spread between cap rate and the interest rate. And where are those located? They're in Texas and Oklahoma for now. When you started out, how did you meet your first investors? I started out with a real estate investment group here in DFW. So I started out with them, and then that's really how I got started and met investors and like-minded real estate folks. <laughs> mm -hmm. And what are some lessons learned from working with investors? It's easier to work with investors that are already sold on real estate as an investment. When I started out, I'd met a few through that group, but then I, I tried to bring in some investors that were from my old oil and gas days. You know, I had to really sell them on real estate in general and then multifamily as an option. So that, to me, it was a little bit more work to get them to come over. Based on your experience as a real estate investor in different areas, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? The best advice I'd say is don't be afraid of new markets. Don't be afraid to get on a plane or new types of real estate. If there's a lot of fishermen in one part of the lake, you should probably go to the other side of the lake. <laughs> mm -hmm. And as far as investors who already know they want to invest in real estate, that's something I've come across too. I always use the example if if I'm at a party and someone asks, what do I do? I ask them, do you want a chicken nugget? And they say, what's a chicken nugget? Then me telling them I'm an owner of McDonald's won't mean much. Whereas if they already know what chicken nuggets are, then they're more likely to buy chicken nuggets and know what McDonald's is. Or I use some sort of permutation of that example. I think I butchered it a little bit, but <laughs> it's basically you, know, you got to fish where fish already are. But the flip side of what you just said is in terms of looking for different opportunities to invest in, then it's going to where other people are not fishing. So in that case, what market indicators do you look for to determine how you're going to evolve your investment approach? When we're looking for new markets to break into for multifamily, the first box that needs to be checked is it has to be landlord friendly. We're not going to go to a state where it can take six to nine months to evict and all that. We want to make sure the house always wins. So landlord friendly is a number one. And then from there, we go to diverse economic drivers. We don't want one or two economic drivers to be the sole employment in that city. We want to see it diverse. So like all, an example would be, we'll pick on Columbus, Ohio. They're the state capital. They've got a pretty big university in town. Nationwide insurance is there. There's multiple employers there. Whereas if you're going to, say, Colleen, Texas, that town's 100% military. So if there's a deployment, you're going to have a rough go of it for the next few months. If it's a town that's just focused on, say, even oil and gas, that would be tough too. What's a project that hasn't gone according to plan? I was looking at that and jokingly, one of our properties, I was convinced to do crushed concrete instead of crushed granite. And there's a big difference between the two because one floats and one doesn't. So. <laughs> Anyway, that's kind of a choking part, but that was a real mistake, so don't make that. 
But really the biggest multifamily thing I learned from was when we got a pretty nice property under contract up in Oklahoma City. There's a Starbucks right across the street. There's a medical facility that was just kind of refurbished and all that. So I mean, be, the location was phenomenal. It was an older building, 70s, but it had an indoor pool and we could really turn it around pretty nice to get it to a much higher asset class. But it came with some baggage and the seller partially up front. He told me there was a <laughs> across the street back in the 80s that, that leaked some really nasty chemicals about 20 letters long. But anyway, supposedly it, it leaked onto this apartment complex. And he, and he told me that all that was taken care of. It's, it wasn't a big deal. So I put it under contract. And that was something we were going to really look at. So we looked at that, did our due diligence. And it turned out that Oklahoma City had okayed it. The state of Oklahoma had as well, but not the EPA. <laughs> so uh, so he, he was he was two-thirds right, but he wasn't all the way right. So from that, I learned a whole lot. So because that chemical was there, the EPA was going to have them drill down I think it was like eight feet, steam it, and they were going to steam the soil, see if anything came out. If anything came out of that chemical, which has a really long life there in the soil, we were going to have to put in um, special fans. And obviously, you'd have, to, you'd, you'd have to let all the residents know as well. So we canceled the contract. <laughs> oh, I bet. It was just a mess. So that's something that I learned is do a little bit more up front. It cost us legal fees. The legal cost was it, but it's to make sure that we're looking at that environmental stuff pretty seriously. Mm-hmm. Was it legal fees plus some of the due diligence to get that inspection done that you also had to pay for? We actually hadn't gone and even got to the inspection part because I wasn't going to spend money on that until we figured this environmental piece out and got that locked down. So it really was just legal fees. Okay. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? I'm ready. All right, let's do it. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. You looking for a one-stop landlording software that helps you create listings, find and screen tenants, and accept rental payments while managing maintenance requests? Oh, by the way, it's zero cost to you. Go to tryrentler.com forward slash best ever. That's T-R-Y-R-E-N-T-L-E-R.com forward slash best ever. Why lose money in a schizophrenic stock market when you can make money outside of the stock market? Impact Housing REIT is a new social impact multifamily fund that delivers strong financial returns while improving the lives of residents and the planet. Go to impacthousing.com and tell them that I sent you. Best ever book you've read. Best ever book, I've got to go with Rich Dad, Poor Dad, because that's the one that started us off. Best ever deal you've done that wasn't your first and wasn't your last? I'd say Parkview Apartments in Columbus. It's 216 units built in 2000. We doubled the investor's money in just over two years. What's a mistake you've made in business that we haven't talked about? Biggest mistake was really, we kind of talked about the one already kind of earmarked for that, but it's got to be not getting into real estate sooner. On the 216 unit in Columbus, was that doubled via a sale? No. We went in, upgraded half the units, got about $150 to $175 rent increases per unit. So we did a supplemental loan. What's the best ever way you like to give back? As a family, we usually focus on animal welfare. And how can the best ever listeners get in touch with you? Our website is www.wolfe-investments.com. Well, Kenny, thank you so much for sharing your expertise and your experience and your story of how you've evolved your real estate company, lessons learned along the way from multifamily to lending to commercial properties to now development and where you see that headed, some lessons learned working with architects on development and just your overall thought process on the economics. So thanks again for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. 
Thanks, Joe. Why lose money in a schizophrenic stock market when you can make money outside of the stock market? Impact Housing REIT is a new social impact multifamily fund that delivers strong financial returns while improving the lives of residents and the planet. Go to impacthousing.com and tell them that I sent you.